New deaths were recorded in the Heweldar area, with the total standing at 477 throughout the pandemic. More than 2 million people in Wales have said yes to a COVID-19 vaccine in Wales, according to the latest figures. The official figures show that almost 3 million total doses of the vaccine have been administered in Wales in just six months. This means 80% of all adults in Wales have received their first vaccine, and one in three adults have received their second dose to complete the course. Alunid Morgan, the new health minister, said this is a fantastic achievement in such a short space of time. I'm incredibly proud and grateful to the thousands of people such as NHS staff, military personnel and volunteers who have worked so hard across the country to reach this milestone. Vaccination is making a real difference to the course of this pandemic. Every dose delivered is a small victory against this awful virus. A man from Johnston admitted to driving under the influence of cannabis. 28-year-old Daniel Thomas from Glebelands admitted to driving a Vauxhall along Glebelands with Delta 9 tetrahydrocannabinol in his blood at a level over the specified limit in December last year. He pleaded guilty at Haverford West Magistrates on May 11th and was fined £120, made to pay charges of £119 and disqualified from driving for 12 months. Another man in Milford Haven has pleaded guilty to using threatening and abusive behaviour. David Povey from Hawthorne Path in the town's Mount Estate pleaded guilty to using threatening and abusive words and behaviour in Milford Haven in February earlier this year. He submitted his plea at Haverford West Court on May 11th and Povey was fined £120 and made to pay charges amounting to £119. People in Wales will be allowed to drink a pint inside a pub for the first time in more than five months as indoor hospitality reopens today. Entertainment venues like cinemas and all tourist accommodation can also reopen, along with indoor service in hospitality businesses as the country moves down to alert level two. Councillor David Simpson called this a major landmark. He said, We have so many fantastic hospitality venues in Pembrokeshire who we know will be giving their customers a big welcome after so long away. In his weekly update, he said, Up to six people from six different households will be able to meet indoors in pubs, cafes and restaurants. The opening of indoor hospitality will be a major landmark in our emergence from the pandemic and towards recovery. While out and about, please remember social distancing rules are still in place consider your actions on others remember your footprint has an impact on our communities so please tread lightly and when you go home leave with a smile i'm charlie james and that's your latest for pembrokeshire you can listen to pure west radio anywhere in the kitchen in the bath in the garden on the sofa even in space
Well, a very good evening and welcome to the second half on Pure West Sport. We're live right now on the Pure West Radio Facebook page. And tonight we've got a full look back on the weekend sports as Haverford West signed off the 2020-2021 season with a win against Kevin Druids on the Bridge Meadow and said a fond farewell to skipper Sean Pemberton, who retired after the game. Plus, rain didn't stop playing all of the Pembrokeshire Cricket League this weekend, so we'll look back on some of the results. Our guest is Peter Morgan, who's now a Pembrokeshire County Councillor, but in 1980, the four times capped Welsh Rugby International toured South Africa with the British and Irish Lions. We'll hear what tips he would give to Warren Gatland's tourists 41 years on. <laughs> and it was a case of Alison in Wonderland yesterday for Liverpool's goal-scoring keeper. So we want your stories of the time that sport has left you speechless from last gasp winners to magic moments. We want those tonight. And you never know, we might get one during the show. Fraser Watson with his Swansea City shirt on. Evening to you, Fraser. You're following the game. One eye on the on the Facebook page, one eye on the show, and I think one eye on your iPad that's hidden somewhere under that desk. Don't know what you're talking about. Consummate professional when I'm on this show, yeah. Ben. But yeah, I'm, I'm very nervous. Okay, <laughs> we'll have... I'm quite looking forward to this, actually. We're going to get Fraser covering the game for us. One eye on his iPad. We'll enjoy his Emotionally. We'll, we'll get an idea of how Swansea are doing. Bill Kahn, evening to you. Hi, how are you, Ben? Hello, very gentlemen. Nice. Very good. And Gordon Thomas, how are we doing? I'm very good, Ben. And you? Not bad at all. Although the other bit of breaking news is that Harry Kane says he wants to leave Tottenham. So it's not been a great start uh, to the show for me so far. Maybe we'll, we'll pick that up a bit later. Bill, you were on the Bridge Meadow, weren't you, on Saturday? A win yeah, for West County, saying goodbye to a funny season, really, for, for all, all sorts of reasons. It was stop-start because of the coronavirus pandemic. But it was good, wasn't it, for, for Swansea to, to... Sorry, for Haverford West to sign off uh, mm. with a victory. It was smashing, and it was smashing for Wayne. He doesn't like a fuss, Wayne uh, Jones, really. And, of course, Sam, uh, Sean Pemberton was his last game, and he doesn't like a fuss either. But uh, it was a memorable time. He walked out to a standing ovation from a guard of honour comprising both teams. You could see when he got to the far end, which was near halfway, he was thinking, what the hell do I do now? But his family were there, married his wife and his two daughters were there, and it was and some friends. And it was a lovely way to finish off. He spoke to us tonight, uh, you know, spoke to us on Saturday then, and he's going to come on the show now, hopefully next week, um, and tell us what it's been like. Because how many players do we know who didn't, when he was asked to join them, the only reason he was unsure about joining was the fact he thought he wasn't good enough. Fantastic. You know not many people like that. Good. Yeah, over 250 appearances, um, Gordon, mm. isn't it, for, for Sean Pemberton. Um, and he, he really embodied the, the community spirit that Haverford West County is all about as a club. And it was great the way he got that guard of honour when he came out. Uh, thoroughly deserved, as Bill has just said. I mean, um, he came from Narbeth in the Pembrokeshire League and was asked to come to Haverford West County by Wayne. And uh, as Bill said, he didn't think he was good enough, but he's been there now on a decade. And there's been the rock in defence. And he's such a quiet, unassuming guy. But on the pitch, he, he gives nothing more than 100%. 110%, actually. He is a great, great character, a, a born leader, been a great skipper and a great ambassador for Harvard West Football Club. I, yeah. I wish him all the best in his retirement. We might even see him in the coaching ranks. Who knows? 
But we're looking forward to him being on the show, hopefully very soon. We heard from him in, in the first hour talking uh, after the game on Saturday, but he, he would be a, a brilliant guest. Uh, Fraser, what, what about the, the end of the season for Haverford West County? They, they finished with a win. Uh, Wayne Jones was excellent, I thought, when he joined us on the show last Monday. Did you know there's now a bit of him that, that's rather glad this season's over and, and he can refocus again on, on the next campaign? Yeah, absolutely. You know, you don't want to pour flames on a win on Saturday. It was a good send-off for Sean Pemberton. I think that was probably the most important thing. For Wayne, it won't mask what's gone on in the last few weeks. You know, he's been very clear that he's had to identify areas where they do need to strengthen. It has perhaps soured what they achieved earlier in the season. He admitted that, and he knows now they need to be stronger going to next season. They can't just ignore and write off what's gone on since this playoff structure and put it down as well. We always have targeted coming 10th anyway. It's been a real concern, their form, in the last few weeks. And, and I think there will be changes in the summer. Wayne has admitted as much. Um, and certainly in terms of how they manage games, they'll be looking at that. That, that wasn't necessarily good in the second half of the season. There are extenuating circumstances. Of course, there has been for every team. There's fatigue has played a big factor. We heard Wayne talk about the suspension which didn't fit them so well as well but um, you know it was nice for them to sign off for a win but I don't think it would mean any more than that but I think I think Bill and, and, and Gordon you, you two have seen a, a bit of Haverford West as well uh, as the season has gone on and, and I think we've always said that staying up was the priority this season uh, there have been yeah. moments where aspirations might have gone a bit higher you know after that fantastic win against TNS but to, to come ninth actually uh, Haverford West I think would have taken that at the start of the season wouldn't they Bill? Absolutely, they would have. They would have taken tenth, and you know that's typical of Wayne. What I liked about the guy, we're, we're singing the praises of Sean Pemberton. I'd sing the praises of Wayne Jones as well. What I love about him is every player before Saturday in Halford West County knew whether they were staying or going. Mm -hmm. So he was very honest with them all. A lot of them have signed already, so we know about those. Mm. But every other player knew it might be his, it would be his last game, or they would be staying. So there was no doubt, and that's typical. God, you'd say the same of Wayne Jones's management. He's up front, and the players think the world. And if you talk mm. to Sean Pemberton, he'd say there's no one like Wolvesy, and I'd agree. Indeed. Uh, we need to say good luck to another uh, Pembrokeshire footballer that we're very proud of, and he's someone that's been on this show. Liam Cullen starts for Swansea Fraser. Were, were you expecting that? Well, firstly, I've seen that comment from Sam Lahn coming in there, Cardiff fan, who's not involved in the playoffs tonight, by the way. Is it fancy dress, Fraser? I'll, I'll, I'll speak to you after the playoffs, Sam. Um, but, uh, yeah, great boost for Liam, actually. It's, it's the first time you can really say in a critical game he started on merit, actually. Um, he came in, yeah. obviously, he had cup starts during the season when they were chopping and changing the intense fixture list, then started that FA Cup game, which turned out to be so bittersweet for him, scoring twice, and then came back towards the end of the season when you felt Steve Cooper was more protecting and had injured Andre Ayew and others, but the fact he's starting tonight is a real show of faith in him, and he's shown a lot in the last few weeks. Good movement, you know, he's added something, an extra dimension going forward, and Swansea have gone 4-3-3 tonight, which, which is more positive than I envisage, so let's hope for Liam Cullen Gold, hey? Yeah, great to see him in the team, no doubt about that. Uh, more football to come, we will talk about that incredible moment, Alisson scoring uh, for Liverpool in the 95th minute, and I, we want to hear from you today, those moments in sport that just leave you gobsmacked and you think did that actually happen um, I'm going to I'm going to ask Bill and Gordon actually and, and Fraser do do chip in as well but I'm only going to ask Bill and Gordon because um, their experience goes back a bit further th than yours does um, in a couple of years fact, factually um, <laughs> can you ever can you remember a, a Pembrokeshire footballer scoring a goalkeeper scoring 
Gordon, I knew oh. would. Come, oh. come on, Gordon. No, not a goalkeeper. I don't remember a goalkeeper. Uh. But I remember plenty of late winners. Yeah. Bill and I were at the, I think it was 2009-2010 Senior Cup Final. Uh, Merlin's Bridge versus uh, Hagen. Uh, yeah, it was three all. Very last ball. Uh, kicked up field towards the right-hand side of the bridge meadow, go, going towards the town. Who popped up? Ian Kedison comes running out of his goal. Who popped up? It was Jonah. And he toe-poked it home for the winner. What a goal that was as well. And what timing. The other funny one as well, and it was, it was, it was 2013, the three of us were at the Liberty Stadium. Oh, yeah. Johnston versus Penland Club. What a game that was. Johnson 2-0 down half-time. <laughs> Back come um, Joe John puts one uh, scores. Steve Mills gets the equaliser and gets clattered at the same time and is stretched off. That's the end of Steve Mills, we thought. Rises no, from they the come dead. Into time. He's thrown back on the pitch by his dad. And with that, with virtually the very last kick of the game in extra time, Martin Tweedy threads the ball through to who? No other than Steve Mills, <laughs> who then scores the winner to earn uh, Johnson their first ever West Wales Cup game. Dramatic or okay. what? Okay. Gordon, I'm sure I'm sure you got plenty more for the final part, but we will. Should we save that for the final part? Because we, we, we got some no, good stories no, to go. No, no, I'd rather talk yeah. about it now. He's on, on a roll. He's on a roll. <laughs> on on the goalkeeper question, I unfortunately do remember it because I okay. was in a team that conceded one. Actually, it was down in Solver, which is as Bill and Gordon know can get quite windy. Yes. On on, on a winter Saturday. Playing against a young Halford West County side back in the days when they, when they fielded a second team, which played in the Premiership League, and the boys here will all remember Peter Blaine, very good young goalkeeper who just booted yeah. one, and and it was one of those. The wind took it; it went over halfway. It bounced, on, and as soon as it bounced on the area, you could see what was coming. With a young young keeper who had come slightly off his line at the time, I won't name him, but it was um, Simon Davis's brother Chris, and it um, <laughs> and, and as soon as it bounced, he just looped over and dipped and uh, luckily it was the only one I conceded to a goalkeeper but we did win 5-4 okay. in the end still well, let, let's see if we can get any more goal scoring goalkeepers please and, and any of your, your stories of where sports left you speechless we'll, we'll have some of those for the final part uh, we've got Peter Morgan joining us very soon but let's uh, just round up some of the cricket from the weekend so Bill were you out and about I know you, you started at Haverford West County where did you go after uh, that? Oh straight up to Haverford West to watch them play Nayland and as we all thought Nayland would come through and as they're, they're a good side then they're going to take some stopping already and if you look at that win it was almost easier than the final score line suggests and they're a good side and other sides are going to press them like Haverford West they lost the toss uh, they didn't bat well early on. They, their top five got a score because they're six, seven, eight, nine are youngsters who are still learning the game. I watched that. Um, Chris Alley had a good win. They're going to be a strong side this year. Mm. Matthew Morgan's back, so he's good. Keru had a shocking day for the club. All three games cancelled because of the weather, mm. which puts them behind now. They're sort of nine ball. Um, in the sense that you know they get no points for that. At least if you played and lost, you'd probably get four, five, six points. Mm -hmm. So uh, Hubbard West battled hard, but only one team in it. Yeah. What about yourself, Fraser? Were you, were you in action on Saturday? Double action, actually. Friday night I was in Harrison Allen, and Saturday I was in action as well. We played a LAN team who, and Bill just attested to, it was one of those 
worrying days for him where you wondered if you were going to play and others were and were you going to miss out and Larn actually drove through all the rain by the sounds of it south of the county couldn't believe they were on and they came down they were a bit under strength but we um we managed to beat them and friday night we had, we had a game in harris now against hook and uh, hook hook did get past us so they'll play nail the way much to Nayland's relief in the second round and won't be going down there it's proof though Gordon isn't it I don't know I don't know what you got up to on, on Saturday but it's proof that the microclimate that exists in Pembrokeshire that we had oh, yeah. some games completely washed out and, and other yeah. matches that, that were played yeah, it's incredible from one side of the county it can be extremely different can it you know it can be raining down the south and great up the north but it was great to see Huck uh, beat uh, San Ryan on Friday evening I was delighted with that result being a former Huck guy <laughs> Um, and then on, uh, then on Saturday, I did actually go down to Langham. Um, Will Beresford was, uh, he had a great knock for Langham opening. He had 64, I believe, and uh, they beat Pembroke, which was a good win. Uh, then I nipped up to Hook and they were playing Kilgetty, and uh, it was a good win there for Hook beating Kilgetty. And then I nipped to Half the West and seen Kuman and Bellaby. Um, opening for Nayland and they just cruised to victory against Alfred West. There was no contest there, to be honest. I think what, it's while we're on the topic actually dramatic things I think you know, I hope glad Gordon Thomas when he gets older this he'll have a new idea for Saturday cricket again the Welsh Cup yesterday and as Bill mentioned it's testament to Nathan they can win like that on Saturday then played Aberaeron bang 245 or 33 overs but Kerry were meant to play Drevach that was rained off again right and and this is what Gordon will like they, Drevach did travel I, do, Fraser, I know what you're going to th- say they mate. decided the game by a bowl off six balls oh, at the okay. stump they were done in five minutes Gordon um, 3-1, wasn't it, No, Drevach, I think, went through 3-1 on a bowl off. But, yeah, they, they didn't even have to walk, oh. up, walk up to the middle board. Uh, that's, so, it, that's perfect. So how, how, do, how does the bowl off work, then? Do they, do they, how does it work? Do they go up? Aim at a single stump. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Six bowlers. Yeah. Yeah. How's yeah. your nerves? <laughs> <laughs> like the sound Incredible. of Incredible. OK, well, listen, I'm sure we'll have a bit more on the cricket because there's matches to come, matches going on this evening, in fact, that, that we're keeping an eye on. So we'll, we'll try and get an update on that. And, of course, Bill and Gordon, pembrokeshiresport.co.uk with contributions from Fraser on there as well. Uh, your cricket coverage on the website is fantastic, isn't it? Thank you. Yeah, we, we pride ourselves in that. Unfortunately, Fraser knows as well as that. Whitland were 97 for now. At Lamphy, the game had to be changed over under new regulations, uh, which isn't a big score. But Lamphy, I think last time we heard was something like 30 for four. Well, funnily enough, but getting Benjamin has just measured the show now. We're on air to update us all that Lamphy are 29 for five of 10. Uh, so it's a fair bet Whitland will go through there. So, yeah, this, this one, that's the only game tonight. Mm. But now tomorrow, Wednesday and Thursday, weather permitting, the Dougie Morris Cup mm. uh, first round is on. That's for all the teams that have won the Harrison Allen Bowl or the league title. So that's sort of a, an elite. Uh, Fanrian don't play in that. Not this year. No. Fanrian <laughs> don't play in that. <laughs> and, and that's a proper format, Bill, isn't it? It's yeah. a 2020 game, isn't it? Oh, they did reach the Harrison Allen Bowl final many years ago when there were some real players then, like <laughs> Aline Davis and Gareth yeah. Jenkins and all boys who could really play cricket. Fraser, yeah. the end of the Morris is 2020, Bill, isn't it? Is it 2020? <laughs> Dougie Morris is, uh, is 2020. 20, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And Fraser, are they underway at Oakwell? That's the big question. Yeah, we're nil-nil up to two and a half minutes. 
Good you'll, stuff. We'll take a moment. You'll know and if that changes. <laughs> <laughs> We've got plenty more to come. Don't forget, you can get involved as well on the Facebook page uh, using the hashtag uh, Pure West Sport as well. It's Monday evening and it's Pure West Radio. Are you an unpaid carer looking after a loved one? There are thousands across Wales, many feeling unsupported and alone. Now more than ever. Carers Wales is here for you with expert advice, useful information, support and much, much more. And it's all free. Find out more at carerswales.org. That's carerswales.org. Carers Wales, here for you and all unpaid carers. Hi, I'm Ben Stone and you can join me on the weekly Pure West Sports Show with G&G Builders. All the latest sports news from around the county is featured every Saturday morning between 8 and 9 with a preview of what's to come ready for match day. Then we kick off every Monday night between 7 and 9 with my award-winning pal from PembrokeshireSport.co.uk, Bill Kahn, who teams up with Fraser Watson and Gordon Thomas for the second half with the latest news, views, guests and gossip. Pure West Sport, proudly sponsored by G&G Builders, a Pembrokeshire-based company who've been in business for 30 years. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. Join us every Friday for the 2.30 kickoff as Haverford West County take over Pure West Radio to bring you the latest news and developments direct from the Bridge Meadow. Team news, transfers, new signings and the latest changing room gossip from the Cymru Premier side. Miss the final whistle? Well, listen to the Haverford West Bluebirds podcast by visiting purewestradio.com. Our club, our county, our community. Haverford West County AFC. 15% off day tickets when bought in advance through the website? Check. Great value annual passes to ensure the fun lasts all year? Check. Award-winning zoo containing over 750 animals? Check. Jolly barn where you can get up close to your farmyard favourites? Check. Large indoor vintage fairground? Check. A guaranteed fun family day out? Check, check and check. So what are you waiting for? Check out Folly Farm today. Zoo. Barn. Fairground. Play. Pick your own adventure at Folly Farm.
It's Pure West Radio for a Monday evening. I'm Ben Stone. Welcome to Pure West Sport with G&G Builders. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. Fraser's keeping one eye on Swansea against Barnsley for us with Kilgetty's Liam Cullen in the squad. And, and Bill, we, we touched on it just briefly, didn't we, uh, when we were talking about Liam just now. But um, do you remember when he came on the show? He was one of mm. our are earlier guests and then he picked up that injury that would keep him out for a few months mm. um there, there must be a real sense of pride i think in the county the fact he's back he's he's playing again i know you've, you all know his family quite well it's great to see him back involved though it is i mean particularly you mentioned the family his mum and dad have been amazing support to him for many years as is his dan granddad graham jenkins who was a top footballer Gordon, I'll tell you what a potent goal scorer he was. And his, his step-grandmother, Rose Jenkins, who scores for Kilgetty in the cricket. It's amazing. And and he's such a popular young fella because he is what he is. He's, there's no edge to him. He's still Liam. He's very much like Mark Delaney was, like Simon Digger Davis was. These boys, uh, Joe Allen, who've gone away but have kept their Pembrokeshire sort of base, you know. So Liam is a smashing down-to-earth old boy. Yeah, it's good to see. And yeah, good to see him involved in such a, a big game as well. Now, our guest is uh, Peter Morgan. And, and Gordon, you did say last week uh, he, he's a bit of a character. Uh, we were looking forward to talking to him. At the moment, we've not been able to make contact. So our producer, if, you, if, if anyone's watching, you might see our producer, Tom, just running around behind where Fraser's sat. We're trying to make contact and hopefully he will join us and, and we'll put him straight live on the air. But we did say he might be a bit elusive, Gordon, didn't we? Definitely. The elusive Peter Morgan, or Councillor Peter Morgan, as we all know him. I remember going to his house to go training with him, and he never picked me up. So it doesn't surprise me he hasn't come on the show as yet. He I'm tells looking... me he's used Zoom as a councillor, so uh, I think he's just Zoomed down to Little Haven to the beach <laughs> with his dog, probably, knowing more. I'm surprised he ever made a flight to South Africa, I'll be honest. <laughs> because that's what we were going to talk to him about, the fact that he got that call up in 1980 to, to go to South Africa uh, to tour with the British and Irish Lions. And obviously it's, it's so topical now because 41 years on, Warren Gatland is taking his squad uh, to South Africa. Um, Fraser, it's the tour that I think all of us thought at some point might not go ahead. Yeah. Uh, but the fact it is, and the fact that we are slowly but surely moving out of COVID restrictions is a good thing because there's nothing quite like a lion's tour is there no there's not and they, they've adjusted the schedule and, and the venues so that they are based in basically two cities throughout the whole time they're there it won't be the same we know that i think the lion's tour falls perhaps into that category of almost maybe the Ryder cup where without fans you always think it's unfeasible isn't it the color that that follows those teams around it's it's just so iconic with it but it's going to be fascinating because south africa obviously come the back of the world champions but their players have all been playing uh, across the board, but as a nation, they haven't been in action for a long time now. So it's interesting to see what effect that takes. You know, it, it's going to be strange. It's going to be psychologically different to any for these players to any Lions tour that may have been on before, and we'll see how it unfolds. But it's going to be another bruising series. We always know that when you go to South Africa. I think, Bill, it's an opportunity this for for Warren Gatland to be one of the greats i mean he, he already is he's got a phenomenal lions record if he can take them to win in south africa he, he would be up there with the greatest coaches of all time if he's not already 
and I think he is already there. And um, if you look at this uh, tour, one of the, I think the big things, Fraser's just started to allude to it there. They're going to be in bubbles. One of the mm. things you talk to Peter Morgan, he'll tell you a hundred stories. We're trying, Bill. We're trying. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we are trying, Bill. <laughs> well, Gordon, and I, Gordon and I have bumped into him very occasionally, and, and it's great fun, and they good. But he, he'll tell you a hundred stories, and they were, you know, where they went, who they went with, drinks they were having late at night, the escapades they yeah. go out to. That's just a good job he's not on the and, show. <laughs> yeah, but lifetime friendships were formed on that tour. Yeah. And I think this is going to be different because they're going to be in bubbles. Mm. And it's an awful word. We use it all the time now for sport. And it's not going to be quite the same for the players. And it's a pity because it's the ultimate. It's great to play for your country. But you ask everyone about being picked for the Lions and they'd say yeah. it's extraordinary. It really is. You know, you look, there's been a lot of fuss about Carl Sinclair and how, uh, Sinclair and how upset he's been because he wasn't picked. You know, it wouldn't be the same if they dropped for England because there's another chance. Mm. But mm. for this, they won offs. Mm. And I, I, you know, I, uh, I, I'm going to enjoy enjoy it. I hope it goes ahead. I really do. I'm still not 100 percent sure it will. Mm-hmm. I hope it will. But why uh, is that, Bill? You, is that because of concerns about the coronavirus and what's happening in South Africa? Are you, are you still a bit nervous about the fact it might go ahead? Well, I'm not nervous, but it's the fact that you only need one or two people to break. The sort of bubble. It's happening in the Indian Premier League. Yeah, a couple of groups, you know, and they needn't be players. They can mm. be off the field background guys. But you only want a couple to break that curfew. And there's a, a, a sort of a, a, the disease sets in in that group and it's finished. So I, I hope it'll go ahead. I hope they have a wonderful time. And of course, I hope they beat the Blighters as well. Fraser's right. They're an unknown side now. If you look at them, they're going to be coming into this relatively fresh and want to be tearing the Lions limb from limb. (laughs) So Gatland is right. It's going to be a war of attrition as well as a chance to show their skills. I'm going to run down the fixtures in just a second and we'll talk about the schedule. The the one uh, one point that I'll just pick up on that that Bill said, uh, Gordon, this is something we've spoken about on a Saturday morning as well. The the one I felt really sorry for was George North because I thought he had a a tremendous Six Nations. Um, Mm. And then to sustain the injury he did, that probably means he won't go on another Lions tour now. No, but George North has been on two Lions tours, so he can be very grateful for that. It's, you know, he was definitely going to be penciled in to, to travel, uh, but, you know, injuries, that's what happens with rugby players. You get mm. injured at the wrong time and you miss out. I mean, um, yeah, it's, it's really unlucky, uh, but it's an opportunity for somebody else. I mean, the man of the series in New Zealand, Jonathan mm. Davis from, uh, you know, Whitland area, he's missed out as well. So, mm. again, he's been injured for three quarters of the season. And we know Gatland only picks guys who are in form and not injured. He mm. can't afford to take anybody uh, with any sort of injury. It's, the, the grounds are so hard out there. It's going to be physical. Uh, he, he needs a physical pack and he needs speed out on the wing. Uh, on the wings, so um, that we can play a 15-man game and stretch them. So it'll it'll be interesting. I'm looking forward to it. First game is is the game against Japan, isn't it? That's to come at, at the end of June. Um, Fraser, what are your thoughts on on the way the tour is going to operate in terms of the the fixtures, uh, the fact that the players, as, as Bill said, w- will be in a, a bubble? Do, do you expect this to be one of the most challenging tours the British and Irish Lions have been on? 
Oh, absolutely, for the players collectively, yes. Sort of an interesting story developing today, wouldn't it? They're looking to fast-track the vaccine up to Lions players who haven't had it. Hasn't gone down well in some quarters for, for obvious reasons, but that would, in some respects, safeguard the fears that many people have about going out them. But but yes, of course, it is, I think, half the thing of a Lions tour, what keeps it unique and interesting. And although this is something that's dwindled in recent tours as tours have shortened, I think gone are the days when they'd be away for three, four months, boys, isn't it? You know, they've, they've really con- condensed the tour now. But it's the novelty of going to different cities and going to different places and, and, and things like that. And, of course, I think they're going to be based in, with it's Cape Town, Johannesburg, but two cities throughout the whole time in South Africa now. So you're taking away some of the magic of it in that respect. But, look, we've got to remember, everything's had to adapt this year, hasn't it? You know, So we, we can't have too many complaints. To go ahead, sport has had to make a lot of sacrifices, and this is just one thing that's had to make adaptations to go ahead as well. You know, whether it could have been postponed a year to have the more real life experience in, in 12 months' time, that, that debate looks futile now. But I think the international bodies wouldn't, wouldn't have engaged in that. They, they don't like to have Lions tours and World Cups in back to back years. Schedules now are so, are so hectic, I think. and they have chosen to go ahead in this way. So, yeah, it will be very challenging, Ben, but I think they'll adapt to it. Players adapted to it in the Six Nations and, and they'll get on with it. I'd just be interested in your thoughts on how it's going to go. And we'll do some predictions, I'm sure, a little bit nearer the time. But um, it, those three tests will, will be difficult. I think the fact that the Lions go into it on the back of a season where South Africa could be undercooked, if anything, I, I think they've got every chance of going there and actually winning in the, in the World Champions back garden. Any predictions from the three of you, Bill, going to kick us off? I'm hoping the Lions will win. I, you know, I think they, he's picked a team that looks to be balanced. He's got some match winners. He's got some some of the forwards are very, very powerful. No-nonsense guys. I like who he's picked there. You know, they, we'll all look and say, well, he should have picked this one or that one. But he, he's his own man. He, he says, everyone's got an opinion. It's mine that counts, and he's right. So he's picked it on what he sees as a balanced side, and I think the Lions can go out there and win Score? Oh, go blindly. I'll say two sets, two tests to one, but uh, uh, I'd like to see him win a lot. Okay, Gordon? Yeah, I think the Lions can comfortably uh, win out here in South Africa. Mm. Uh, reason being, South Africa haven't been together and uh, trained and played as a unit, whereas Gatlin will have a few weeks with the British Lions who will mould pretty quickly. He knows what uh, game plan he wants to play and uh, I'm sure um, the backroom store staff will be working hard with all the boys and um, yeah I'm expecting the Lions to go there and win I don't I don't know if they win every test uh, but it, I'm expecting them to win it and Fraser, clean sweep of Lions predictions? I think so. I don't think we'll see much champagne rugby out there for all the talk of the ball players no. he's taken. Gatland has traditionally, when he'd been in charge of Wales, tried to take South Africa on in their own game. We all remember that immensely physical semi-final, don't we, in 2019, which Wales were on the wrong side of. And if you just look back on the tours, the famous 97 tour, 2009 as well, just bruising encounters. I think the difference between when Gatland was taking on South Africa Wales and his Lions tour is he obviously does have more powerful units at his and I think he'll go the same way. I'm not expecting any kind of champagne stuff in either three tests. It's very, very difficult in any circumstances for Alliance to go away and win 3-0. That's been proven. I couldn't even 
can tell you last time it happened if it has happened before but I think they'll win it and I think I'll go for 2-1 as well yeah I, I would be prepared to say a 3-0 Lions win I think it's it's going to be a, a big opportunity this I think they I think they could go out there and do that and, and, and we've met we've mentioned you mentioned John Davis and um, Gordon we were going to talk to Peter today but um, it, it's worth just mentioning some of the, the local representatives we've had on, on British and Irish Lions tours and, and Davis that the most recent one uh, what, what about the three of you in terms of memories of, of watching the lions over the years because i my favorite one actually was that the last tour in 2017 uh, we were on a ferry and we were going over to france and it was brilliant to pass the, the six hours on the ferry we had the we had the, the rugby to watch it was the, the final test in the last series so that that was excellent but they're great occasions what, what are some of your favorite memories gordon well i'm that old not quite as old as bill but i can go back a long way I, Thanks, remember to, uh, I remember listening to a Lions game on a radio in my bedroom uh, in 1977. Bryn Moore Williams and Phil Bennett were the halfbacks then. I remember, I think New Zealand won that uh, series 2-1. Um, but, you know, listening on a radio, not even <laughs> watching any footage, yeah. it's just incredible, isn't it? But it gripped the whole nation. Everybody wanted to know how the Lions were doing when they were abroad and obviously wanted them to win, and, and we all supported them. So, yeah, I remember that. I recollect that, getting up in the early hours, putting my radio on and listening to the commentary, which sounded so dramatic. Gordon's right there, Bill, isn't he? They they are iconic matches, aren't they? And when when the Lions go on tour, you want to listen in, and you must have some memories as well. Yeah, I I never want I never listen to it on the radio. My memories of the radio are people what, like listening to like Howard Winston boxing and Eamon Andrews yeah. doing the commentary. But I I can't I can't remember dates like these guys can at my age. But my lasting memory will be watching Barry John playing one of the Lions. Uh, tours where he ghosted past a couple of people. Yeah. And I think. 71, Bill. Thank you, God. Well, that was 50 years ago. I was only a boy then. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I was even younger. Yeah, I know. Will you not keep interrupting me? <laughs> Sorry, I mean, a bit of order. No, no, I lost what I was just about. A, a bit of order. A bit, a bit of order. But Carry I, on, Bill. I'll never forget that. And watching people like Gerald Davis play, and they're a different era, they, but those guys. Will always stay. Uh, you know, later on we're going to be talking about memorable moments. Mine would revolve around quite mm. a lot of the guys of that era. 1971 is the actual year, God. But yeah, they're iconic. It's a wonderful um, idea. I mean, it started off uh, as a means of getting the four home nations joined together mm. to play rugby, and it's worked. And you look at the greats, you know, Willie John McBride. People like I remember listening to him and Phil Bennett talking in Tenby Rugby Club, and they were talking about their moments there. And it was all about hey, hey how tough the games were, but the lasting friendships, you know. Yeah, that's great stuff. Uh, Fraser, it doesn't always go well, though, does it? We, we all remember 2005 <laughs> yeah. Clive, with Clive Woodward's tour, and, and he, he took, I mean, if you look back on it, there's a great Wikipedia article about that that Lions tour and the list of the backroom staff he took. I mean, Woodward had a reputation for doing the detail, but there's doing the detail and there's taking yes. Alistair Campbell to run your media operation. Yeah. Clive Woodward got the job on the back of winning the World Cup with England where he famously left no stone unturned was the phrase, didn't it? But I think 
I think his intentions were good, but he simply completely overcomplicated the concept of the Lions, didn't he? And, and, and he went too far. He took too many players. There were too many players that were pretty much surplus to requirements, just doing a little bit of playing in midweek games. Like you said, he tried to cover every facet. He took out Alistair Campbell, which proved disastrous. None of the players wanted him there or respected him. I don't think many of the supporters did either. And and to top it off, they were playing against a very, very good New Zealand team. And I think he probably, Woodward made the mistake of not going with form you know you've got to have some experience on a Lions tour I think that's probably why they like someone like Courtney Laws is there now but he was too loyal to perhaps his England World Cup winners who were past their best by that point and it showed it was a massacre wasn't it 3-0 out in New Zealand but 44 players went on that yeah. tour 28 support staff and that included 10 coaches a former referee Alistair Campbell to be the head of media relations and he took a legal advisor as well yeah. can I tell you something Peter Morgan actually roomed with Clive Woodward in 1980 and he could have told us the story, but he's not yeah. here to tell us the tale. And I tell you what, if, if you that sounds like the... a match made in hell. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe now you know his... why he had to have so many people around him. After <laughs> yeah. Peter Morgan. Now you know why he had to have a legal man. Yeah. Well, I bet he's Clive Woodward was faded in. He was would... three in the morning there. <laughs> The, the names of the people that, that Peter toured with, though, like Bill Beaumont was on the tour, Ray Gravel. He was actually captain. If you go yeah. back in 1980, the tour nearly didn't happen. And there was a reason because it was apartheid. Yeah. The British yeah. government were against the British yes. Lions touring. But they did go. And um, coach was Noel Murphy and the manager was Sid Miller, two famous Irish guys. And Bill Beaumont was a the captain. They played uh, four tests. They were 3 0 down and won the last one 17 13. I just jotted it down. And our famous Peter Morgan was uh, renowned for playing as a fly half or centre. He actually travelled as a wing. He played on the wing for the Lions. Yeah. He didn't play in any of the test matches. He did play in the provincial games, and I did know that he scored a few tries in those games as well. He did. So, um, I wanted him to tell us that tonight. It's a real interesting one because he he was only capped four times for Wales as well. Um, Yet he toured with the British and Irish Lions. And, and, you know, if you look at players over the years who, with a similar record, there won't be that many, really. So it it is a really unique Pembrokeshire story. And it would have been good if he'd been here to tell us it. But we've managed without it. And and I'm sure he'll join us again at another point. We are going to finish the show in just a few moments with memorable sporting moments. So we're going to do some local ones. We're going to do some national ones on the back of Alisson's goal for Liverpool yesterday, which was just a remarkable moment. But I will let you talk about that in a few moments. No, I won't mention it. No, no, no. no, this is Pembrokeshire. It deserves to be be mentioned. He gave a very... He gave a very moving interview as well. So we'll talk about that um, and we'll have some that you, you want to share with us as well. So moments where sport just leaves you absolutely gobsmacked. Give us those. Uh, Fraser, is it still nil-nil in the game between Barnsley and Swansea? Still nil-nil. Not much in the way of chances yet either, Ben. Well, you've been very sedate, actually, so it can't be that that good a game. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh, hang on. Oh, oh. No, we're all right. We're all right. Panic over. Um, There's nothing like watching no, someone watching No, not much. Quite, quite cagey so far, Ben. Nothing okay. too much in the way of chances. Barnsley doing a little more of the pressing, but we're hanging in all right at the moment. Good stuff. All right, just coming up to quarter to nine, it's Pure West Sports. Ydych chi'n o falwyr didal sy'n gofalu am rhoi nanwyl? Mae miloedd ohonoch ar draws Cymru a llawer yn teimlo heb gymorth ac ar ei bennau hunain, a'r dyddiau hyn yn fwy nag erioed. Mae gofalwyr Cymru yma i chi gyda cyngor a bernigol, gwybodaeth defnyddiol, cefnogaeth a llawer mwy ac mae'r cyfan am ddim. Dysgwch fwy ar safle careswales.org, unwaith eto careswales.org. 
Gofalwyr Cymru, yma i chi a phob gofalwyr didal. Dementia Action Week is about bringing people together to help improve the lives of those affected by dementia. Take action during Dementia Action Week and make the changes you want to see. Every week here in Pembrokeshire, support is available when required and personalised for every individual, helping them to live their lives to the fullest. For more information, call us now on 07849 086 009. This advert was kindly sponsored by PAPS, the Pembrokeshire Association of Voluntary Services. It was hot, so we went out on an inflatable. One minute we could see our friends on the beach, and the next we were drifting out to sea. Then Sophie started to panic. But you didn't. You dialed 999 and asked for the Coast Guard. Coast Guard. Grab my hand! And we just want to say, whoever you are, thank you. In an emergency at the coast, call 999 and ask for the Coast Guard. You probably think you're pretty good at multitasking behind the wheel. I mean, you have to multitask to drive. So what's wrong with checking your phone? The thing is, your brain simply doesn't work. Even a quick look at the message, a quick reply, affects your concentration and makes you less able to react to hazards. If you use a mobile phone while driving, you're four times more likely to crash. Think. Put your phone away. This is Pure West Radio.
It's Pure West Sports for a Monday evening with G&G Builders. Find out more at pembrokeshirebuilders.co.uk. Uh, the show has absolutely flown by uh, this evening. Swansea still uh, drawing 0-0 in the playoff first leg. Uh, Bournemouth were 1-0 up against Brentford in the other game last time I checked at Fraser. So it could be that trip to Wembley still on. Who, who would you rather play? We've got to score first. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Bournemouth over the course of the season, I think Brentford are, are the best side actually in the league. I think the last yeah. two seasons should go up automatically, but seem to have a mental block when it when it comes to the final stage of the season. So I'd rather play Bournemouth, but <laughs> I'd rather just get their fears for a worry about that. I don't think either side's had a shot on target yet, actually. And um, we're, we're going to finish actually this evening with great sporting finishes, and and the guys are going to do some uh, local and national ones. And the reason what we're doing this was because of what happened yesterday in the West Brom Liverpool game. Liverpool obviously chasing that Champions League place. Allison goes up for a corner, the Liverpool goalkeeper, and it just it, it was a brilliant header. Great corner from Trent Alexander-Arnold. Allison picked it out perfectly. Uh, Bill, it was a great moment, and actually his interview afterwards uh, said a lot as well, because he, mm. he's gone through quite a, a few personal uh, issues. He, he lost his father quite recently. And he's had family members with COVID as well. It was a great moment for Allison, wasn't it? Oh, yeah, and a brilliant header, you have yes. to say. It was a perfect finish. You couldn't fault the actual... Effort. You don't see, you know, goalkeepers go up and then they got to race back. Uh, I heard, you know, about ones where they hoofed the ball downfield or scored in in a goal of melee. But that was a cracking header. Yeah, Gives Liverpool a chance of European Championship. It does. Let's let's have them then. So let's have some some great sporting finishes. And I think you've got some involving some some local sides. Gordon, you you gave us your first one at the start of the show. Have you, have you got another for us? Anything to to top Allison's goal yesterday? Oh, definitely top it. 1990, uh, 1999, uh, Manchester United going for the treble. Oh. Against, they play in Bayern Munich. Uh, was it at the new Camp? At the new Camp. I can't remember. George, it must it have been the George Best left after yeah. 88 minutes, 1-0. He did, well, he was <laughs> he desperate didn't. for a pint at that time, wasn't he? <laughs> so he had to go. Anyway, 1-0 down, 90th minute, corner, over it comes, Teddy Sheringham. Bang, into the net. 1-1. Looking forward to extra time. To be fair, Bayern Munich had battered United. They hit the, hit the woodwork twice before that. Mm. And then um, we have another, now, we have another corner, Beckham over. Uh, I think it was Giggs or Sheringham got on the end of it, toe-poked it, and there was Solskjaer inside the eight, a six-yard box, roof of the net, 2-1. Thank you very much. What a moment. And that gives United the treble, unprecedented the treble. And Liverpool fans were sunk. They were crying. They couldn't believe United had done the treble. Um, um, poor old Bill, he was beside himself. Well, I think I think even Liverpool fans probably enjoyed that moment for Manchester. Oh, I, 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 don't know. I don't I, I think, know. Come on, come on. You don't think so. <laughs> All right, Fraser. What have you got for us? Have you got some? Have you got something local as well? I mean, locally, I just an occasion. I'll never forget. I think Bill and Gordon were there as well on a baking hot Sunday in Burton for the Dougie Morris final. The competition Bill touched on earlier. Halford Western Nathan put on the most intense, tremendous final I think I've ever seen. It was 2014. They didn't particularly like each other, and I don't think they might be saying that because I, don't, I think that was quite well known. Halford West had led for 75 percent of the day. I think Ashley Sutton played tremendous in, innings in. in Nayland's run chase at the end to keep them in it but it came down to the last over and I think they needed six off, off two balls Scott Jones looped one up was caught on the boundary batsman crossed and it was Patrick Bellaby um, facing the last ball of the innings and six to win 
and the stuff of fairy tales straight shot and, and i remember time standing still actually because you just wondered did it have enough to carry on all the way to the hedge and it did and I, I think i remember gordon was was trying to take photos me and bill were trying to get notes and it was just bedlam and the whole and the whole and <laughs> yeah, nailing flooded right onto the field at, at international level i want to say another cricket one as well i know it's quite recent that world cup final england new zealand mm. you know the, the, the famous ian smith oh. commentary that by the oh. barest of margins i don't think you'll ever see a finale like that again ben stokes running in sliding his bat the ball hitting the angle of the bat. i've seen it happen before i've never seen it go for four not even in village cricket let alone so that one but then i suppose as a welshman wembley 99 the neil jenkins conversion you can't discount that either as well so uh, so there's a couple from my mind yeah, I'll, I'll give you a couple as well. I know Bill's got some ready to go. Um, Ajax 2, Tottenham 3 in the Champions League. I mean, uh, Lucas Moura scoring in the 94th minute. Come on, Bill. As a Tottenham fan, things like that do not happen. In injury time, it just, years of, of watching some rubbish performances, stuff like that does not happen. And when Lucas Moura did that, I was watching it in a pub and I was chucked up in the air by some bloke who I've never met before, who's also a Tottenham fan. It was just incredible. I'm also going to go back to 2005. Uh, the second Ashes test, oh, yeah. England-Australia at Edgebaston, yeah. and England winning by two runs. Geraint Jones taking that catch off Harmison, I think. Mm, yeah. Rich, wasn't it? Down, down the leg side. Would it have been given out now with DRS? And, and did, did he actually hit it? I think the argument was his glove came, the back came off his, the glove came off his back, yeah. wasn't it, before it nicked it? But uh, who cares? Absolutely <laughs> phenomenal. That, that's up there with one of the best games of cricket I've ever watched. Bill, what have you got for us? Well, locally, Gordon's touched on one, Paul Jones against Merlin's Bridge. I was actually standing, Gordon, by Ralph Phillips, who was an Arbus, a stalwart, a lovely guy. And he said, there's no way you'll get that. I said, I bet he will. And he only had the merest touch, and he just touched it, 4-3. Sorry to interrupt. Looks like Swansea have just scored. Um, hang on, and- tell Bill, Bill, hang on, just hold that thought. Fraser? Andrea, you just killed one in. 39 minutes Bill. in, Swansea won up. There we go. Bill, continue. How do I follow that? Yeah. So <laughs> Jonah, scored, Jonah scored that goal, and it was fantastic. And the same year or the year after, he scored in similar fashion at the Veg Field. We were there watching that as well, and they beat West End, and he scored that late goal for that. And he just was so good. The other one I had mentioned locally was, of course, believe it or not, because I'm always damned by the fact that I'm. Uh, a Hampton West supporter when I met Pembroke and Stackwood's player uh, was Patrick Bellaby hitting that. I can see that ball going now towards the road end, road end edge and it went in there and Patrick cool as a blinking c- cucumber. But my last in memory, we talked about the Lions 1971. I went up, I was 24 years of age, 50 years ago now, to watch Wales play Scotland at Murrayfield with a couple of friends from school and we watched there. And uh, Wales were losing 18-13 with two minutes to go. They won a line out, the ball was spread by the backs, which included Gareth Edwards and uh, Barry John, and out to John uh, to uh, Gerald Davis on the wing and he scored right in the corner. Four points in those days for mm. a try, so that was 18-17. It actually was a year Wales won the Grand Slam. So who do they give the conversion to? A flanker. How many times do you know about a flanker taking a kick left-footed because it was on the right touchline? And John Taylor curled that in as cool as a breeze. And Wales won 1918 and were lucky. But it was interesting. I asked the boys. Gordon's disappeared. But yeah, it's, it's one of those a, nights, Bill. It's all right. What about yeah? <laughs> what about a crowd there? How many do you reckon were watching that game? At Murrayfield. 
Yeah. In those days, Bill, I would honestly guess at close to 100,000. You're not far off because you could pay to go in at the gate. Yes. There's a huge bank on the one side and you could stand on it. Yeah. There were 105,000 there. Yeah. I've never seen so many Welsh people in my life walking up the main street in Edinburgh. Uh, and at seven in the morning when everyone's getting their breakfast after coming off the trains, you would not believe how many were there. But he's interested. They had four tries that day and you listened to stars. John Taylor scored one. Who scored the others? Do you know? Gerald Davis had the winner. Gerald Davis had the winner. Yeah. Barry John Bevan? No, Barry John and Gareth Edwards. <laughs> and four, they were, so it was four tries. That was 16 points. And that. And I, I can remember now, you know, that night in, in Edinburgh, you couldn't get into a pub because of the number of Welsh people who were in there. You couldn't get any food or anything like that. But it was a day I'll never, ever forget. I was only a relatively young fella. I just started teaching in Milford Haven and to add the icing on the cake then, Wales had already beaten England. They went on to win the Grand Slam. So I'll never forget that. 1918 to Wales. What I love about that footage, Bill, as well, it reminds me of the Thorburn kick as well. For all the science yeah. and technical things that goes into goal yeah. kicking these days, the angles they run up, there was Jay Taylor especially, put it, no tee, put it down on the grass, take two steps back and just give it a hoof. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. And he, he looked, he looked all same. wrong. Yeah. He didn't look like a rugby player. He had long hair, a goatee beard. He was a bit of a hippie. But Jason by God, he kicked that as he, he just turned and belted it between the posts. Jason Chapman on Facebook. What about Spurs? 3-0 up against Man United at half-time and then lost 5-3. I remember that game well. I remember uh, that game well. Peter says, with Kasprovich, his hand was off his bat, but it was Australia, therefore it's fine to give that one. Yeah, it's yeah. allowed. Well yeah, said, I, Peter. Good. I, I think that's allowed, absolutely. Uh, listen, chaps, the show has absolutely flown by. Uh, we will do it again next Monday between 7 and 9. You never know. We might even get our guests join us next week. We, we, we shall see, but we're hoping, actually. Well, I, I, before we go, I just had a message. Gordon, give me a call. That's the elusive Peter Morgan. It's too late now, Peter. We'll, we'll we'll definitely get him on before that Lions tour, but maybe we'll line up another guest in reserve just in case. So, eh? uh, Swansea won the lap, Fraze. Yeah, just come up to half time, Ben. Excellent. That could be a, a good evening for Fraser as well. So he's off to watch the second half. We'll be back next week, seven till nine. Join me Saturday morning as well with Gordon, Bill, and Fraser between eight and nine for more on Pure West Sport. On the way after the latest news at nine o'clock, it's making noise with Rob Parker right here on Pure West Radio. From Milford Haven to Mathry for Pembrokeshire. From Pembrokeshire, this is Pure West Radio. Pure West Radio News. This is Pure West Radio. I am Charlie James and here's the latest for Pembrokeshire. Three new cases of coronavirus have been recorded in the Heweldar Health Board area, according to yesterday's figures. Public Health Wales data showed that there was one new case in Carmarthenshire, two in Pembrokeshire and none in Ceredigion. Across Wales, 54 new cases have been confirmed, with one new COVID-19 